Hey everybody, it's Ron from the Nerd Life Crisis Podcast Network, here to talk to you today about SpinWiz Comics. SpinWizComics.com is an indie comics discovery platform. It's designed to help comic book readers find new content, with over 60 publishers and over 400 different comic titles to choose from, and growing every week. Most of the content right now is free to read, but there are options available to purchase PDFs and support creators you read the most. And right now, as part of the promotion, IB Comics is offering the first four issues of Grace, free to read. And for all you music fans out there, the first 28 pages of Legba's Juke Joint Volume 1. You can read all of these for free at spinwizcomics.com. So if you're a content creator out there, check it out. It's a no-hassle platform whose core goal is to help with awareness, to essentially take your comic book and put it out there for new readers. It's as easy as uploading a couple of PDFs, toss them into a Dropbox or Google, and within a day, your stuff will be online and available for purchase or for new readers to check out. SpinWizComics.com. Check it out today. Welcome to Fix It In The Mix, the podcast about the real music business. I'm your host, Chris Thayer. Today, I'm sitting down with my good friend, Matt Coleman. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me, man. So, um, I'm going to just jump right into it. I, I start off every show with the same question. Uh, musicians tend to find themselves uh, sucked into the music business in one way or another. Not just musicians, but people who work in the music industry. Um, that it's it's not something they chose. It's almost something that chose them. So how did you get into you know this whole music obsession? I guess because uh, as it is for most of us. You know? Yeah, I you know I didn't uh, initially go into it with uh, the hopes of being a musician. I guess you know a long time ago, I was brought up singing in church, and so I was made to sing. Uh, my mom used That's to make funny. me and my sister sing, and not that I hated it, but I was always very shy. Right. And I'd rather be doing something else. I'd rather be playing video games or something like that. But I, you know, when I went to college, I fell in love with the guitar, and so I, I kind of went into it to become a guitar player, not a singer, not even a songwriter. Interesting. And um, so, was that the first instrument you played? Was guitar? You know, yeah, basically, it was the first instrument that I gravitated towards. I mean, I, I dabbled in a few other things, but right, it was the like piano. And... Yeah, I took piano lessons, but it never stuck. Um, I tried to take some music theory. You know, in college, it it was too mathematical for me. Right. <laughs> you know, so. Right. I mean, that's really what it what it is for a lot of people. Like like my good friend Kevin, who gave me my first guitar. To him, he would show up one day and he would go, check out this pattern. And I'm looking at all these numbers on a page. And I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like this Mixolydian pattern with a Dorian thing. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. It sounds like Greek. But... Uh, cool that you learned something new and it made sense so it was all very mathematical for him I, I you know i think it's important to have those kind of people around you and 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 right then the more that you're in music you know you start to pick up some of those things anyway right right but i you know i definitely i with every band that i played in i guarantee you uh, it's either been said or not been said i you know i think sometimes people wish that i had a little bit more of that you know, uh, but it's just not me. You know? Yeah, I mean, my approach to music is not, you know, numbers. At well, all. I think that's one of the things that that I love about what you do the most is that there is nobody that I've ever heard that sounds like you. 
Uh-huh. Like you have a very distinct style and sound and approach. And even in the guitar playing and the writing, it all is very, very matte. And I've not heard anybody that sounds like that. I and that's a that. pretty huge accomplishment in, you know, an industry where everybody parrots everybody else. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's, you know, what I've come up with is just a me borrowing from every, which we all do. Right. But right. I, it's, it's crazy. I, I can't ever like stick to overtly one genre of music, but it is all kind of old and groovy right. and that kind of, you know, but I think you're ahead of your time in that sense, because if you look at what kids are doing now, they don't want to hear about genres. Yeah, they, true. they they put everything together in this gumbo of goodness and and they don't want to hear, oh, I'm a electronica band or I'm a hip hop artist or what. they they're all of it. It's true. And I actually there's things I appreciate about that, too, uh, that it, but at the same time, it does it does seem that. It, it can get lost. Right. You know? Right. When you're all over the map, it's like, well, what is it you do? Exactly. You know? When, how do you sell it? You right. Know? That's the hard part. So. And I think that's what a lot of young artists are, are kind of uh, struggling with. Like, how do you describe to somebody? What's your elevator pitch? Yeah. If someone says, describe me your sound in five words, you know, it's like, how do you do that? Yeah. You know? So I, I think there is definitely something um, to be said for having a a loose genre, but, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It, it is hard to, uh, put something in a box that's way all over the map. You know, I mean, to, to go back to, you know, as far as how music found me, I remember there's a story I, I tell everybody when I was turning 30, right when I was turning around 30, I was walking around Mount Rubido with my father. Okay. My father's a pastor. Mm-hmm. And I remember him asking me, you're like, how long are you going to do this music thing? I've had that conversation too. And it, it wasn't, he wasn't bashing me. He never, you know, made me feel ashamed for any kind of approach that right. I was doing. But the best way I could explain to him was that, like, it's, I, I went, I'm not going to put it in the same category, though some people might. But I, I, was, I told him, I was like, it'd be like me telling you not to preach. I, right. I don't know how to not do this. Right. And so, like, I'm, I'm fortunate and I'm glad I'm, that I'm, I get to make some money at it. Uh, and I, I appreciate the gigs that I have. Right. But, you know, regardless, if, if that all went, I, I would be playing somewhere. Right, right. Open mic. Right. You know? And I, I definitely, I get this from everybody I talk to. It's like, if, if you don't play for a month... I can't even fathom that to be honest. Right, right. You just it, you, it's like breathing almost. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't feel right. Yeah. If I'm not playing somewhere. Yeah. You know? And at times it could it could be too much. Right. And absolutely. You know, you know but at the same time, I it, it, with any project that I've been with, um, it's good for us to go take a breather outside and you know remember that we get to do this. Right. So. Right, and and I think. I've always kind of been a firm believer that anybody could be a musician. They can't be necessarily a fantastic or really talented musician, but everybody can do it. Yes. Um, But I think the difference is not everybody does. And the people that do truly go after it. Yes. um, They may not be rich or super successful, whatever the hell that means as far as society goes. But I think there's something that's... um, essential to who we are and you have to do it i work at a hospital and i don't know probably once a month i'll have maybe the same five people you still doing music yeah i'm like 
I, I've been talking to you about it for weeks, you know. Or I, we've been part like you know coworkers for fifteen years, right? Like you don't, you just obviously don't understand what I do when I right. play music. Right. So I, right. like it makes me laugh every time. Yes, I'm playing music. I had somebody ask me like yesterday, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I I post something like once a week yeah, about geez. it. I mean, I know the algorithms are what they are, but. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm still doing that. The essence of what I am is a musician. Right. And it's, it, it's something. You're a I, musician who has a job during the day. Got to. You know, because yeah. you got to pay the bills one way or another. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, Lord knows being a musician for a living is really hard. Yes. And I, you know, I, we know a couple people that do. And yes. And I, it's a, I still, I mean, I still know how. And to be honest, even though they play uh, a lot of gigs, I've never been able to be that uh, that much of a risk, you know, risk taker. That's a huge risk. And um, and, and they're, these are accomplished musicians too. These right. are great friends, and, and they deserve everything that they're getting. But it's I, I'm I'm always blown away by. It. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, and I I think the reality is is there there aren't as many people willing to take that leap as maybe there used to be. No. Because there aren't that many avenues for people to make a living. I mean, you're teaching lessons or you're, you know, how, I mean, how you like fill in the calendar, yeah, um, the days of the, the 70s singer songwriter, you know, right. where that was even a possibility, even if it, you couldn't make, you know, a ton of money, but it, it, you could still pitch your songs. Right. I, there may be an avenue still where it's accessible, but I really oh, man, I don't think it's a possibility. Well, I saw somewhere that the same two songwriters have ninety percent of what's on the Billboard one hundred. <laughs> well, no, I that's legit. That's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome because they're writing for everybody. Jeez. But the industry has basically said these guys have the formula for right now, and we're gonna take their songs and give them to everybody in the machine and that's what we're going to record. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that I could improve upon myself. Um, I know, uh, uh, Larry from total maples is one of the bands that I play in. It's a poetry band. Right. And he's inviting me every year, every year he goes to ASCAP. Right. And you know, to listen to these forums and you know, I have maybe I, one of these days I will go, but also you've even sat down with me. I, right. you know, we've, there's been people that are there saying there is more, available you know you just have to kind of know how to go after it and i just it it still it doesn't stick with me the right. way that i think right. it, it doesn't make like sense to me i guess so, you know well, and, so, and I, <laughs> I say this a lot i mean it's not the music music it's the music business exactly and and i hate the business end of things yeah and um as as much as i understand that that's how you get to do more gigs mm -hmm. and that's how you get to do bigger and bigger gigs and get more money. I freaking hate it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, I think the, the days of finding somebody who will just take you on as an artist and, and, you know, a manager type, I mean, I don't know that there's anybody really doing that for anyone other than a signed label act. And at this point, I mean, what are the labels? They're, they're loan sharks basically with some, some connection. I mean, I guess they always kind of were, but yeah, I mean, it's not like anybody's selling music anymore. No, and and I mean, you know, I, I'm confident in the fact that I know I have some really good songs that I think could translate well right. into a bigger forum. 
but nobody's looking again nobody let's right. find that new song you have songs right we all have songs I, right. i'm not the only one that that it's like how do you get these songs to actually go to a bigger area uncle vic you know a musician that we all loved phenomenal songwriter great songs and it was you know it it if you if you haven't heard of uncle vic yeah. his name was victor Velardes, mm-hmm. and uh he um he passed away a few years ago. Yeah, quite a few years it's, ago. yeah, quite a few years. Um, but he had this huge log of songs, mm-hmm. and um, I I don't know how much he had recorded, but I do know that he and Kelly McGuire, who who is on a different episode, um, they sat down and they recorded a full album's worth of stuff, and Kelly ended up finishing the album. Yeah, I think posthumously. It, um, it's I've I've got it and it's great. And oh, I'm, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so yes, it's called Hot Burrito Number Volume One or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> so Victor Velardez. So not to to get off the track, but absolutely. Oh yeah. You know, here's somebody who deserved like fame and fortune and all that goes with it. Um, and you know, it just I yeah. I, uh, the people have asked me, I, I don't have the answers for any of those things. No, no. <laughs> I don't know that there are answers at yeah. this point. Um, but I, I will say I am hopeful because there, are, there is, um, with the technology and with the dismantling of the label system, mm-hmm. it has really leveled the playing field for somebody that really wants to go after it. Well, and, and um, podcasts like this because yes. it does it make it, you know, the thing is just like I've, I've told everybody CDs anything that you've recorded they have legs right they, they there is the capability there is the possibility I mean yes. that that uh, you know it could wind up in somebody's lap yes and you you know that's not how you make it in this business but at no, the same I th- time I think the the model has changed that you can get where you need to be without mm-hmm. some sort of corporation yeah because the world just got a whole lot smaller when the internet came out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, I mean, look at guys like Chance the Rapper. I bring him up a lot. Oh yeah. I don't know anything about his music, <laughs> but I know he did it all on his own. Oh yeah. You know, and and Billie Eilish is another one. Um, recorded in the bedroom. It's crazy. And that's where everybody's doing their stuff mm-hmm. at this point. You know, and it may not always be the greatest. I mean, not everybody is her brother. No. You know, of and course. they're not producing like he is. But getting those first few tracks out there is possible. Oh, yeah. You know, with an iPhone. Yeah, with an iPhone. You can do it with a phone. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Which is insane to me. Yes. You know, as we sit in a full-blown studio. It's true. With, you know, all this stuff, and all I need is a phone, you know. <laughs> um, so, anyway, I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole. Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, the, the business has changed in some ways for the better yes because it's made it easier for guys like us to get stuff out yes um just physically get stuff recorded and get it out it's true but also get it out to an audience if we can find a way to hustle and and build a a fan base that will share it as well of course of course Um, so what um this is a really difficult question for most people but do you have a best or favorite gig that you've ever done like is there one that comes to mind like what was the best gig you ever had the best venue I've ever played at was the House of Blues. You like the House of Blues? On Sunset. Nice. It's not there anymore. But for me, it was the first time I ever played at a place where there was a sound guy in the back and there was a sound guy on stage. Right. So it it made everything effortless. Right. And I got to do that with Allison Tattinger and Chad uh, Villarreal on drums. And it, oh, was, okay. it was awesome do, having that opportunity. But my goodness, I... 
music has taken me all over the place. Right. And I think that's the thing that I forget is that I get to see some really cool things playing music. Right, right. You know, so um, it I couldn't answer that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. It's, that's, that's, like I said, it's an impossible question, but usually there's something that pops to mind. And, you know, House of Blues was it. Yeah. Now, at home, you're going to go, oh, I should have mentioned that <laughs> one gig that I played with the thing and the guy. And, um, how about a, a worst gig? Can anything come to oh, mind? Oh, yeah, I've got a pretty See, bad See, usually one. That, that's an easier one. Yeah. So with Hobo Jazz, we used to play the Lava Lounge. Oh, oh my God. That's in L.A., right? Out in L.A. It's years, years, yeah. years ago. And um, we were playing there, and I was <laughs> – I had left my acoustic guitar at home. Of course. <laughs> and I showed up, and Mark Nemitz from Bucksworth, he was playing before us. Uh -huh. Another great band, another great artist, <laughs> but he <laughs> – and a dear great friend, but he uh, he let me borrow his electric guitar. Okay. And I know how to play guitar, but there is something about playing a guitar where the tone is like endless. Right. I'm not used. I'm used to an acoustic instrument, and there's a picture of me where I'm looking at the guitar, and Joe and Marcus are looking at me. <laughs> like, right. You know, like what is going what on? What are here? you doing? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't play it, you know? Uh, I mean, I did it, but it, right. I couldn't get over the fact that we'll just go with it. You right. Know? <laughs> so I was too in my head. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> I I definitely have had moments like that where I, the, the instruments aren't cooperating. Um, but yeah, that's that's like a seismic shift <laughs> to be a, almost entirely acoustic artist and then pick up an electric. It's like, oh, man. I, 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 and to this day, I don't. You know, I have a friend of mine let me borrow an electric, and I, I fiddle with it, you know, right. every once in a while, but I'm definitely more organic. Right, <laughs> right. So. so, I mean, this is kind of a stupid question, but do you feel like in any sort of way you've, quote, unquote, made it? I feel I've progressed to a place where, you know, I... I, uh, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting gigs. Right. And, and, uh, when one gig goes, another gig normally pops up. Right. Which I'm so thankful for. But, um, you know, I know that there's always another place to go. Right. Another, you know, it'd be nice to do more showcase shows. Right. Where you're not playing four hours. Exactly. And actually playing, <clears throat> you know, focus more of my energy on my own music. Right. Which it, I don't get to do that often, so I've I think I've made it as a workhorse, right? But as as a true blue artist, um, I don't get to do that that often. I right. every once in a while I get a chance, right. but no, I mean it's obviously a ridiculous question. Like even those people that like anybody in society would go, yeah, they totally made it. <laughs> they they almost never feel like, yeah, I made it. No, it's like, oh, I had a good album. And now what do I do next? Now what? Yeah. And I think that's kind of the through line with most good musicians is you've never really made it, no. quote unquote, whatever that means. Yeah. You know, a little bit of success is just a stepping stone to the next thing that you're going to do. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's that's a pretty healthy attitude. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, there at this point, what does that even mean? Of course. And and it's hard for me not to say it without being, again, I'm thankful. I I. You know, there's times where, you know, being a musician, it's not easy for my family sometimes. Right. Even though we may need the money and all that kind of stuff, it's not it, anybody that's married to a musician 
it's a hard road. Yeah. You know, it, it definitely takes the right kind of person yes. to, to tolerate what you have to go through with any sort of artist, but especially musicians, mm-hmm. because we're out so late yep. all the time. Um, and it's, you know, you're planning birthday parties and then, you know, the next night you're playing a gig and then the next I'm, night you're going to work and I'm leaving from the birthday party. Right, right, you know right. You leave, you leave the party an hour earlier than you would have. Yeah, so. Um, so yeah, I mean, it definitely, uh, you miss things like, you know, a, a second cousin's funeral or whatever, cause you have a huge gig that other people are relying on. You exactly. For, you know? Yes. So yeah, it's, it's absolutely crucial that you find somebody who understands it and causes me a, a little bit more stress sometimes, Yeah, you know, because, uh, you know, being sick at my work, I get right. sick hours, but I start to obsess about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like my wife would constantly say, like, you're obsessing about it. Right. Because I'm focusing my, I'm, I'm nervous that if I don't have my voice. Yeah. It, it, Absolutely. <laughs> and I've, I've sound like Frogger or Frogman from mm-hmm. the Little Rascals before. Right, right. I, and, and I think most people have had that kind of gig. Oh, yeah. I, I did a Christmas gig once, and I usually it just sort of loosens up, and it, I go through it and it's fine. It yeah. just smells like, you know, it sounds like uh, Phoebe from friends with a smelly cat. And I get yeah. this deep, rich voice. Um, I had three notes yeah. all night. That's all I could get out. Yeah. And I was, you know, popping Vicks and taking, you know, muscle relaxers and trying to get it to loosen up. And I don't know how we made it through three sets, <laughs> you know, and there have been times where I haven't gotten out of bed for like three days yeah, because I was so depressed because I was sick yeah. and my voice was gone. But it, and, and it's like, I'm going to sleep this thing back into shape somehow. You know? Or yeah. And I, it, you know, I definitely abuse it, you know, because I don't want to lose the gig. Right. And it's one thing that I, t- I, I, I tell, you know, I, I always tell Eddie or anybody that I play music with that, you know, if we're dealing with a bad gig for whatever reason, right. there's not enough people there or we're not playing together right. cohesively as great. Um, Just with any good gig is the you know is a bad gig. There's a start and there's an end. Right, and that's a good thing. Right, you know? right. So, you know, that's what I always look towards. You know, if it's a bad gig, hey, it's going to end soon. Yeah, you I know? mean, there's only about ninety minutes left. We're good we're, to go. Yeah. That's 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 like a TV show and a half. Yes, you know, we're good. <laughs> I can handle that. Uh, so, for you, what's the best part of playing music? The best part about playing music. There's a couple things, but the best the best part. I like playing with the band. I like the camaraderie of it. Right. I love the friendship of it. Um, I like everybody I play music with. Uh, we're family. Right. And you create these bonds. At times, chaos. Yeah. Uh, things like that ensue. But at the same time, it's one of the things I love the most is is building this bond with these these people that you have to trust. They have to have your back. It's your- almost like like. Um, people in in traumatic situations mm-hmm. become close and you yeah. get like romances out of tragedy yeah um i i kind of feel like there's an element of that to being in theater or to being a musician yeah uh, because you're on stage and suddenly the drummer drops his stick and it's like oh my god what the hell are we gonna do yeah and everybody pulls together to make it work you know problems at home yeah you know, uh, yeah uh, somebody may have had too much you know th- th- yes. things like this where you just you, you pull. You have to have each other's back and pull right. each other aside and say, right. "I got you." You know, right? And are you okay? That kind of thing. And so, it, it. This one thing that's 
one thing I really love about playing music. The other thing, and I haven't been able to do it as much, um, it just hasn't, it's, it's, I love writing songs. And, yeah. um, you know, when it when it's flowing and it's going good, I love the creation aspect of writing a song. So just creating the song. I love it. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I, I love it. It can, at times can get really emotional. Yeah, you know, and uh, not everybody feels that way. Uh, well, I mean, uh, there there are a lot of songwriters that just kind of crank stuff out, and sometimes I feel like that. I I we all do that, right? You know, I uh, um, inspired moments are really fun, right? But I think it's good for any songwriter to actually. I wrote a song about uh, Robert Johnson. Okay, where I had a Robert Johnson poster in my room just because it looked cool, right? And. I was like, you oh, know what? Oh, don't get me started on Robert Johnson. <laughs> I went down the rabbit hole there. Well, but like, I just, I, I liked it. I knew the story. Right. But at the same time, I was like, you know, if I'm going to be a songwriter, I should be able to pick, I'm going to write about this mic right here. Right. And go for it. And it could, it may not work out, but I should be able to like right. try to treat, you know, my brain, you know, the muscle that it is. Right. And, and, and go attack it. And I wrote a song. But I did, I love the research aspect of it, and then you know coming up with a hook, right, was great, you know. And so I think it was it was good practice to actually pick a subject and just try to write it. Do you feel like you can write pretty easily? I used to, and you then, don't write uh, much anymore. Or uh, you is know, it a little it, more of a chore. Or? It's I well I haven't written in a long time it, because uh, which I, I'm not. <laughs> this is gonna sound like I'm blaming my kids or my wife <laughs> or anything, and I'm totally not because the thing is I think. It, all it takes is just practice. Right, right. And if I just um, dedicated a little bit more time to it, I think I could get back into the groove of writing songs right. again. I write in spurts. Okay. Like, I write with purpose. It's like, okay, it's time to put out a new, you know, TCB record. Yeah. I'm going to write eight songs in two weeks. Yeah, that's awesome. You know? Yeah. Or I've, I've got to put together this next Legba's Juke Joint book and album. Yeah. I'm going to write all of the songs for it within a week. Yeah. You know? And that's usually, like, necessity generates most of my songwriting see i i like um, that though i i think it's good and again they are not all winners well there's some real lemons in the batch <laughs> but there's some really cool stuff that comes out of that and i can i can see why people love songwriting workshops and retreats and whatnot because man that's that's kind of how i work yeah, of course yes you know and it just seems like it makes sense to me yeah you know you write because you have to get something out I think um, I should do that. I think I should actually try to focus on maybe a new album and focus my energies on writing. Why not? I was doing with some recording with Carrie Nordstrand, and it was it'd been a long time since I actually sat down. Um, and he's he he's a wonderful man in town. But I was trying to sit down with him, and we were you know it was the first time I'd ever really written a song song with somebody, right. and we were coming up like you know with different parts. Right. And I, I, it was exciting. Yeah. I'd forgotten when it know. starts to click like that yeah, when you're, you when you're vibing together on, on ideas. Yeah. It's very I, cool. Yeah. It'd, it'd be nice to, to maybe focus my energy on, on a new pro, a new album. That'd be fun. You've got so. a friend in town. I know, man. So I know. <laughs> I've been, I've been telling you for 10 years. Get in here, man. Come on over. <laughs> I'll, I will help you out. You know, it, uh, you were talking about that. You, I still have not heard the music, but I read that first comic book. Really? And the, the oh, you gotta is, have the music. Yeah, the, the book was great. Yeah, the, uh, the book was great. Oh, thank you. Man. So, take, you know what? Oh yeah, man. I would take it yeah, you right go. on. You can take it with you. I'm gonna listen to this on um, my way home. Don't tell my my business partner that you have that. <laughs> I won't. 
but because uh, he he keeps me uh, from giving away the store. Uh, well, you know, it's a hard thing to do. Uh, you know how I'm sure you are the same way too. You make it's stickers, like, you make you buttons. love the stuff, and it's like I want other people to mm-hmm. love this stuff. Yeah, and I would rather somebody get a CD for free, and I lose a dollar fifty or whatever two bucks it costs yeah. me to make, and they play the shit out of it. Of course. Then to have somebody buy it for ten bucks. And then it just sits on a shelf. Oh, of course. You know? It's, but it, there is that balance. You you know? Right. <laughs> people love free stuff. They do love free stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. Um, I, and, but I think the, the business has changed in that respect that um, music is free now. Yeah. You know? And there's very few. I mean, you're not going to sell CDs online. Mm-mm. You're not. I Rarely. Like occasionally I'll get somebody who sees us at a show and they'll go to CD baby and they'll buy something. Okay. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it's like, Oh, I'm just going to go listen on YouTube, you know, or I'm going to listen on iTunes Spotify. or whatever, Spotify. Or... Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, uh, made it a whole different game. Um, how, how do you approach that? You know, how do you deal with, we, I, we have, do you still sell CDs? Mm-mm. Yeah. I and was going to say, I don't have anything that's overtly, I have a, a recorded an album, you know, with Chad called grin of living. And I love this beautiful CD. record. I appreciate it, man. But I, I need to figure out some way and you've talked to me, but I first, again, it doesn't work in my head. Right. Um, somehow I, I was talking to my wife. I was like, I really need to get this on Spotify. I listened to it just a right. couple weeks ago because I found my iPod. Right. And we were able to charge it. And I was like, I listened to it. I hadn't listened to it for a couple of years. You don't own a copy of your own record? I think somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> I think somewhere. But well, I, I went big and I ordered like a thousand uh, at a time. And so I've got plenty of boxes of my shit hanging around. But you, you take them to shows too, right? Yes. Yes. yes yeah. We're that, still trying to pimp those CDs. Why not? Um, because they're collecting dust. I got to get them out of here at some point. Well, yeah. I mean, um, I would assume people still buy them though. Yeah, we sell a few per show. Yeah. I mean, we're not selling a lot, but it's an older crowd. Yeah. You know, and most of the music I play, it's like your your demographic is in 50 and up. They still have CD players. Exactly. They still it, drive in older cars that have CD players. Th- and that's how know? they like to listen to their music. That's how I I like vinyl, but yeah. CD as well. You know, you know, so it's crazy to me. I, but it, for me... I know I, I make things a lot harder than they should be. Marcus uh, sent me a message and, and was kind of trying to walk me through it because he was like, you don't let the CD or, you know, let this right. go into obscurity. Oh, it's so easy. You know, and it, it in ha- fact, I could take the CD I have if you want before you leave tonight <laughs> and we could sign you up on CD Baby and get it on there and they'll distribute it to every electronic distributor out there see i need to do that it'll be on spotify itunes rhapsody napster because all of them that's the way you and know, it's like 40 bucks yeah see that's that and it's nothing that's nothing no to, to keep something out there in the world where i can go search and and it comes up it, of course you know and and uh you know for everybody that's come in i've either bought um their stuff Mm-hmm. on like iTunes or whatever, just so I can get a little more familiar with what they do. If I'm not like really familiar with it. Um, or I've looked on like YouTube yeah, and, and that's kind of the place where you can find all this stuff. Of course. If you want to know how a song goes, or if you want to like learn something real fast, or if you just want to see somebody doing their thing, it's there and it's free. I love it. I love it. Just if I forget how to boil an egg, I can watch somebody do it. Right. I mean, it's something simple like that. You know, it's everything is there. You know, I I've learned to use 
every bit of technology that I have at this point in the last 10 years through the internet. See, that's awesome. You know, it's like tutorials. Uh-huh. All the programs I know how to use, I've, I've watched tutorials and they're almost always on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so anyway, not to give them a free commercial, but, <laughs> know, but for anybody who's not sure how, you know, how to do it, CD baby is a great resource. Um, they are definitely downsizing. Oh um, yeah. And, and they're changing their model to be more like Amazon cause they kind of see the writing on the wall. Um, so there are other sites that will pick up the slack for what CD baby will no longer do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as, as any musician, um, you need to, you need to get your stuff on CD baby at some point when it's done. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, is there, I know you listen to a lot of different music. Oh, yeah. You've turned me on to some really phenomenal people that I never would have heard <laughs> of otherwise. Um, is there somebody that inspires you musically every time you hear them? Oh gosh. Yes. There's several people. Um, I can always say Louis Armstrong pops. Yeah. I can always say James Taylor. Um, well, you know, a, I, tr- I traveled with him for two weeks. And that, I, when I, when you told me that, I was like, what? <laughs> oh, dude. Per- like, he's precise like the Eagles are precise. Exactly. No, perfect pitch, um, perfect tone. Yeah. You know. Oh, I, and I haven't told this story yet. I think I told you this way back when, when we went on tour with him. Um, we watched him sound check. See, that's awesome. And, you know, at, at the second show, they basically said, yeah, you guys got to go somewhere else. Cause I was watching like what he was doing and I was down in the first 10 rows watching him Yeah, and he's playing his guitar and waiting for the notes to feed back. And he would tell the guy behind the booth what frequency was feeding back. Oh my God. He would play something. He's like, yeah, it sounds like, uh, you know, 208. I don't know frequencies, but yeah. he was like, yep, that was it. And then they play a little more. He's like, yeah, it sounds like around in the hundred range. We got a little bit of something going on there. Okay. Got it. And then like, who can do that? I, yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's a rare ear. I mean, I don't know if that's just um, doing it for so many years or if it's just somebody who can hear what frequency is giving him a, a, a bit of trouble, but just that blew my mind. Oh yeah. I've never seen anything like that. And it's, and he seems like that, that, that kind of guy. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, and everything is so wide open in his mm-hmm. sound. Like, almost nothing gets overplayed. No, and it's, he's a, probably the, as far as how I play the guitar, I don't play exactly like him, but he he's had the biggest influence on me. You can hear it, for sure. You, know? you can hear that James Taylor vibe in there. I think you play with a lot more intensity than he does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, like, very delicate mm-hmm. in the way he plays. Um, I think if you take that and you put it on steroids and, and you've got a little <laughs> bit more of what, what your style's like. Um, so I, we haven't talked about the groups that you play with at all. Uh-huh. We know you do your solo stuff from mm-hmm. time to time. Is there a group that you're playing with regularly at this point? It's or? coleslaw still, even though we, okay. we lost Chad Villarreal to Nashville, uh, uh, coleslaw. We're still playing. We play all the time. Um, so you're still doing one of the things that I loved about you guys. And I haven't heard you since, uh-huh. uh, is that, one song becomes eight songs. Yeah, we're You're, still doing Okay. Yeah. It's freaking genius yeah, because it. just when you start to get a handle on the song and you're starting to feel it and then it morphs into something else. And just when you think you figured it out, it morphs into something else again. Uh, I freaking love it. I appreciate it. Thank and you. and I, the audience loves it. And I think that's what people really tap into. It's like, you've got all these different songs happening almost all at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
And it's so obvious yeah. because all these songs share a chord progression or they share a, a melody line. A or melody, melody line. Um, but nobody else is doing that. Yeah. You know, I've, I've always felt that you like tapped into absolute musical genius with that idea. Uh, uh, it it, it kind of just slowly, I think a lot of things happen if you play enough and you right. allow it to. A lot of things happen by accident while you're playing live. Right, right. You just, it just happens. Well, I, think I see you and, and Chad when I used to go see you play together. Um, you could see the wheels turning sometimes and something new would pop up mm-hmm. and, and you, you would see each other like connect on it and like, oh, okay. Yeah. I see where you're headed I with that. I it's, think it's good to, you know, trust the musicians you're playing with. Yeah. And, and allow it, you know, it could be a train wreck, but that's not a big, that's not that big. A yeah. Thing. I mean, the people <laughs> at the Hangar 24 will forgive you, I of guess. Of course. So um, you do play a lot of different styles of music. Is there any kind of music that you find the most fun or the most enjoyable to play? You know, it's hard to say because I, with all the other bands I play with, I love, you know, with Hobo Jazz, the Totem Maples. I love the fact that we we tap into heavy rhythm. Right. And that's something I really like. I like the the bass and the drums mm-hmm. and the guitar I like things to sound big even without a ton of stuff happening mm-hmm. you know and um, you know I like write I like writing old timey music I like that I like it right uh, it's fun because you know you don't even have to tell anybody they could assume that it's an old timey song right you know right <laughs> you know, so dude I've made a career of that yes you know <laughs> the half the the stuff I did with the Big Papa band it was originals. Yeah. And we we tried to do them in a way that they sounded like they could have been written by somebody else. Oh, yeah. You know, and that was that was always the goal to be able to pass them off, you know, and, and the more you could get people to dig them and think that they were a cover. Oh, yeah. The, the better it felt. You know, it's like you were you were sneaking one over on them or something. Um, so, yeah. Is it, now, is there anybody that you would consider like a mentor? Um, oh, you know. There's a lot of people for me, definitely singing wise, my mother, you know, was a huge influence. I mean, even when I, you know, hated singing. Right. The fact that she made me do it, you know, but when when it comes to songwriting, um, the, the, probably two people that were the biggest influences on me. Well, now there's three, you know, um, Mark Nemitz for sure. Okay. Um, Victor Velardis. Okay. Um, and, uh, Chad Villarreal. You know, huh. Chad was, I, you know, I get kind of gushy about talking about him. I don't think about Chad as a songwriter, but I, I, he absolutely is. Yeah. And, and I, he's such a phenomenal drummer Yeah, that it never dawns on me. This guy writes music and plays all different kinds yeah. of inter- instruments. He's, he's an amazing cat. And, but I, I wrote my first song after watching him play really at a coffee house in Riverside. I wrote it on my way home. Just was this a solo thing, or was this with uh, Shoppy? Or uh, it was with uh, I want to say Mr. Pivotfoot. Oh right! Oh man, you're taking me back in the way way back machine. Yeah, right and it was now. just a trio. Mr. You know? Pivotfoot. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's a long time ago. Yeah, we were both 18 at the time. That yeah, man. Oh, I haven't heard that name in forever. <laughs> I know. Woo. <laughs> so I mean, this is kind of a, a, I guess a grandiose question or whatever, but. Um, when it's all said and done, how would you like to be remembered in in music in that sense? You know, I I, I definitely think that I want to be remembered as a good person. 
you know, no matter what, you know, right. when it, within music. And but I, I, that even that the music itself showed that you know that I was a good person, you know, that my approach to it was something. And I know that's probably not answering the question. I think when it comes to music, you know. No, I think it is. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the things that, you know, as I'm, when I talk about you to other people, and I, I do all the time, um, I say, man, he's super talented. He's got this amazing voice, and he's like the nicest guy I've ever met. Um, and that usually comes out at some point in the conversation. Oh, he's like, he's super cool, super chill, um, you know, really sincere about stuff. Um, so, uh, so I feel like we're starting a romance right now, and yeah, I, I got to tone it down a little bit. Well, but no, it's, it's I, hard. I am a big fan of what you do. All right, well, and, and right. I wish I had more chance to to hear you play and sing more often. But you know, being that we're both musicians, you don't ever get to hear other people play. If you could, if we could figure a way to be at two places at one, right, make a lot of money, or or be at the same <laughs> gig, which almost never happens. Never happens. Um, there's been a couple times when I've been able to to reach out and go, hey, Matt, I got this thing. Can you come do a opener set or whatever? Yeah. Um, but I don't have a lot of those opportunities. Mm -mm. And, and uh, the business being what it is at the moment, I mean, that's that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, I, I know I before I had kids, we would definitely go out and see more live music. But once you have kids, it's really uh, – Right. It's, you, you, it's difficult to – now, if there's an avenue where kids are allowed to go, right. then we're normally taking them. Well, you have a fairly young child right now. Yeah, four years old. Yeah, yeah that's my youngest is four. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, you're still in that that stage where it's like you got to be around. Oh, yeah. Like, I've hit the stage where all of mine um, don't want anything to do with me <laughs> at this point. Uh, I don't want to look. Yeah, no, <laughs> and it's but it's like they're, they're, they're in their room and they're completely content staring at the TV or at their phone or drawing yeah. or what, reading a book, whatever the case is. Um, but at four, it's like, you're, you're in demand. Oh yeah. Like, Hey, I need your help getting the thing. And Hey, I'm bored. Of course. And they, they almost can't entertain themselves for more no. than about 10 minutes. Hey, I mean, um, they, they come to some shows that I play and when they do, they're, they're usually <clears throat> both really, really, um, not attentive. I'm not going to say right. that. They're doing no. their own thing, but at the same time. But they're enjoying it. They're enjoying just being out and being, yeah, being amongst, you know, something like that. Right. You know, music. Yeah, I used to drag my kids out to stuff and I would make them sell merch. Hey, yeah, let's see. I should do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a little hard when they're four. Yeah. But uh, I, I, how cute, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it gets harder when they reach the 20s. They don't want to do that anymore. Or no. it's like. How much are you paying me for this? I know. Well, <laughs> like, I, every once in a while, if, if the moment's right, my wife will give Abby, my seven-year-old, the tip jar. And just walk around. Hey, you know what? There is no <laughs> shame in that game. No. I, I occasionally will throw out a line uh, where people will clap after a song, and I'll say, oh, no applause, please. Just throw money. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the folding ones. The other ones hurt. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that usually scares up tips. I, you know, I, I used to cringe uh, at the thought of doing that. Yeah. But that's kind of part of the gig. It, you know, it, I, I didn't like talking to people after I played either. No. And that's kind of, you have to accept that people want to talk to you. That's that. I think that's been one of the, as far as any band that I've been part of it, it's, it's where I'm, I'm not the, like I stutter all the time and I'm actually uncomfortable, but right. when I, when it comes to playing at any places that I've played and I've played all different places, I'm going to go out and try to shake your hand or give right. you a hug, say thank you. Right. And 
and I'm sincerely doing that, but it also does come back to me in the end. Right. I've either got another fan or they're going to pay more attention the next set. They may give me a tip. I'm not doing that specifically for that, but I'm going to, to you know, it's never hurt me. No. It's never hurt no, me. No, it, it is, in a sense, it is work. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. you're on your 15-minute break or whatever. Of course. And you spend 14 of those minutes. Yeah going out and, and shaking hands and you know yeah. hey you guys doing okay thanks for coming out yeah and and you are 100 percent sincere yes but um at the same time it's like are you going to be that guy who sits down backstage somewhere yeah. and relaxes for 15 minutes or are you going to be on and and making connections because really that's what we're doing exactly i that's you know it's it's every time that i've been allowed to do that you know some people don't want to talk to me, right? But if there's there's people that you know, like I said, I'm I'm a hugger and I'll hug everybody, right? You know? Right. Even though I'm almost sweaty, I'll just because I you know it means a lot that they're there. I do some things to force myself to go out and and talk to people, whether it's give out free downloads or oh, okay. or uh, I make little one inch buttons, okay, and it just has a little band logo on it. And I'll go out and make sure everybody at the table has one on the table if they want one. Um, but that forces me to go out mm-hmm. and, and get out of my shell because I really don't in, enjoy the idea of approaching people. Yeah. Now, if they come up to me, I mean, great. Yeah. But it's I, I don't want to invade their space. No. You know, I've been invading their space musically for the last 40 minutes oh, or yeah. 45 minutes. And they might need time to not have me. Yes, um, of course. But uh, but at the same time, you know, most people won't come up to you either. No, you know? when, but if it, you're next to them, they'll say, "Hey, man, that was really good." Yeah, or just a, like a, a, a simple like show of gratitude. Right. It's hard to turn that down or think it's because right. it, you know, it's it it I, every majority of the time it works really well. Right. You know, because right. I am thankful. It is. You know, right. <laughs> right. And that's that's the reality of it is. Without those people in that room, it's a rehearsal. Exactly. You yeah. know? And, uh, and, and that's the other half of the equation. Yeah, you need their energy. You've done enough shows, as I'm sure I have, <laughs> yeah. where there's nobody there. Oh, yeah. And you're still forced to play anyway. Oh, yeah. Even if you're not getting paid. Oh, yeah. You're still on the on the bill in case somebody walks in. Yeah, you I know? remember Chad and I were playing at Lake Alice. I'm not calling him, any, but it was a Wednesday night. Oh, yeah. And that's it was right. a late night, and we were playing. Our start time was like, nine i think oh yeah and we had to go till 1 30 or something like that i can't remember it was a long time ago that's a rough room but it was wednesday too yeah and wednesday nights any place right people are saving up for the weekend right but anyway they were <laughs> people they were taking out trash we we're like for like the last like for like an hour and a half and we're finally we were like dude come on man just, just let us, us off the hook <laughs> let us go let everybody go home yeah and it was just me and him we're like just call it yeah, you know, yeah. There have been a couple gigs where they actually like, okay, you guys are done. Yeah, just pull it off. Um, it does happen, yeah, every once in a but while. But most of the time, they're like, you know, we're paying you. We're getting every single second and every <laughs> note we can out of you. <laughs> yeah, that kind of sucks. Um, so you mentioned Robert Johnson. As you know, I am a huge fan yes. of of the Robert Johnson legend as well as the music. Um, so you find yourself at the crossroads, uh-huh. and uh, so what do you ask for in the deal? Oh God! <laughs> I I know it's a bit sacrilegious as a, a question, but well, I, don't I mean, wanna, it, it's, it's crazy. I don't want to lose my eternal soul for right anything, right, right. But, but you know, it's never been 
given to me. So who knows what they would do in a situation like that? Right, right. Yeah, so. Well, and that's that's the question. And somebody pointed out I would answer it very differently today than when I was 18. You know what? Yeah. Because I got a little bit of hindsight and I, I see a little more of what life's about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would give up certain things. Or, <laughs> no. uh, it's, you know, it's crazy. You know what? That's the truth. I think it would be a different story because in the story of, of Robert Johnson, we the assumption is that this is like a dark figure right. that is approaching. And I don't think in a situation like that, that that's the case. I think, right. you know, so... And, and had it been given the opportunity for us, yeah, being young and dumb, we would have done something dumb. Right. Sure. It's so. like, I, I want to play at the forum, you know, something <laughs> yeah. so small in comparison. Um, well, let's, let's say it's not your soul. Okay. If, if someone said I could grant you one wish in your career, what would it be? You know, the, the biggest, I would love to have a career where I could play anywhere in the United States and around the world too, but the United States would right. I'd, I'd find that'd be that. fine. It's a big enough map, and I could fill a room with two hundred people. Yeah, uh, to be honest, and and I think with that kind of sales, you know, you could lessen. There's artists that are doing that. M. Ward, right? Amazing musicians that are doing that. They fill up a room, and they don't gig as much. Right. They focus more of their energy on on their home life. Too, I'm, right. I'm, I'm assuming, but also. Like the promotional part, the promotional part and, and making new music, you know, like recording at home and actually having the ability to sit down and actually work out uh, uh, great albums. And um, I've always said that. I don't know if that's the, the number, but that's always what I've said. If I could get that. Right. And and it was, you know, wherever I went, I had 200 people that were willing to pay a ticket. That's that's a good number. Yeah, I, and that's a good room. Mm-hmm. You know, if and you could get that at every show, yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I, I, somebody else similar uh, answer. Um, so yeah, definitely. I think that's that's pretty common as far as musicians. It tells you something about the business. Yeah, and about where we are in the business at this point. Not us personally, but where the business is yes. at this point. When you know, you had one wish, it would be to have people there. Yeah, exactly. You know, for people to care enough to go hear live music. Yeah. That's kind of where we're at. Yeah. You know? Um, and and at this point, it seems like the only people that get those crowds are pretending to be somebody else and wearing wigs and, you know, doing tributes. Well, yeah. And I don't knock that either, but at the same oh, I time. Do. I, yeah, I, know. I do openly to the people who do it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, it, they're, they're paying the bills. Of course. And, and I respect that. And if they can, it, it, the hardest thing for me is to be true to the book. Yeah. And that's, I think that would be the hardest part of it for me. Um, that we've tried, and, and not to say that we won't ever pull it off, but maybe to do a Van Morrison cover band or something like that. But at the same time, oh, I don't know if please I Please don't. Could, yeah, I, please I don't, don't know if I could. But the thing is, it, it couldn't be something I could do all the time. I could do a show. Where a I, show, you know, would be one thing. Yeah, but but man, but I, I couldn't. I'm not gonna go and try to pretend I'm Van Morrison. Yeah, I'm not gonna pretend that I'm not gonna talk in an Irish accent. Right, right. I'm not right. gonna try to. You but know. there are people that take it to that degree. Yeah, and I think there's there's a healthy balance between understanding, hey, I'm getting paid to play music, and 
I'm going to dress and act like this person from the time I show up. Yeah, I, I think they, that, that that's and there are people who do that. Yeah, and uh, but I put that more of a like as a theatrical. It's absolutely theater. You know, so. it's not making music; it's making theater. It's, yeah, it's musical theater, and that's cool. I, I get uh, it. I it's, it. But if that's the approach, you know. I mean, I suppose. <laughs> I I just think, um, and I've said this to anybody who will listen. I think it's had a lot of negative effect on the audience because it's made it okay to not embrace or even um, take a chance on anything new or, or because we're so clinging to something we already know. Exactly. I, you know, for a while I didn't know how I, I didn't know how the music scene in Redlands was going to look. Um, it's was real strong when we we both came when up. When we were with you know yeah, Oso Ray. Right. When, when the you know mentioning these these places vaulted, but they've given us forums. The vault, right? Falconer. Hang but out. you know what? We built that. Well, we we created. They gave us the opportunity to do it. Yeah, Dave. I mean, Dave Strasberger yeah. creating that first night, and it was the first open mic I ever went to where he created atmosphere. Yes. Instead of, you know, I run an open mic. I don't, like, the atmosphere is the music. Right. But he created atmosphere. And we were all, we were much younger. Right. You know, and because of those open mics and because of the people we were around, mm-hmm. I was writing a lot. Yeah. I was pushing myself to write a Very ton. inspiring. Yes. And I, for the longest time I was doing, I mean, for, I've been doing the Falconer open mic for a while and for a while it was the same people and it was a lot of older older right. cats which is awesome but is it some of the the usual suspects that used to come out when we were out there or was it a different no, group? It's, a, it's a new new group you know okay. but at the same time it's it's guys that that are coming out and they're excited to play right what i'm seeing though now and i love it and you know uh i i mentioned andrew sandoval he's, he's got the inland they they're, they're creating these jams where they're going to Oh. Olive Market. They just had one at Ritual. They're creating these jams, and a lot of I, I, bands aren't being formed yet. I don't think, but right. we're, I'm starting to see kind of some of the th- same things. It's getting me excited, right? Because they're kind of doing it themselves, right? And I love it. I really love it. And yeah. there's a lot of musicians that are coming together, and there's some great. I mean, there's a great band called uh, Fear the Gray, and uh, Joshua Sean, and there's there's I'm going to say his name wrong. <laughs> I was like, is it Josh? Is it Sean? But there's some great musicians that are I'm seeing coming right. out of this. And there's other ones that I'm forgetting their names. But it gets me excited to see that it's blossoming. Right. You know? Well, it was definitely like damn near dead. It was. For a good 10 years, yeah, it felt I, like. You know, it, it didn't seem like people were wanting to do the same things, you know, right. the, the, the younger generation didn't want to go out to open mics anymore. Didn't want no. to do these things anymore. And now I'm seeing it. It's, there's an open mic everywhere. Yeah. You know, so. and, but that's how it was when we started doing it. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, it, it felt like, and I, I truly believe that the people in this area built that scene. It wasn't the clubs. No. The clubs were just the location. But the we got together and had a community and we said, you know what? We're gonna go to the Mitten building mm-hmm. and have that, you oh, know gosh, that music there. Yeah. And we're gonna go to the vault and make it somewhere that people want to go because we're all gonna go. And we're gonna support each other. And the nights were packed. 
They were packed. Every open mic I went to, if it was at the boiler room, the mid- the boiler room. That's yeah. another one. I mean, they, they, these nights were packed with a lot of the same right. characters, a lot of the same right. people, and what I saw from it is what I'm seeing now is that inspiration's happening. That's and good. These kids are well. That gives me hope. Oh, it, it's it, to, to be honest, uh, there's. I think it's uh, it's thriving and it's it's going to be really good. Yeah, I think what happened is a lot of us either moved away. Yeah. Or because uh, a lot of a lot of the players that were here are, are either died or moved away. Yeah. Or um, we've kind of graduated to paying gigs. Yeah. You know. No, it's true. And we're working out there yeah. and doing stuff, and going back to the uh, kind of left a void. Yes. And I think it's it's good to hear that it's kind of refilling itself a little bit with these younger players and get us the hell out the way. Oh yeah. In, in a lot of cases. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, you know. For a while, it felt like, and I'm, I know that there's more people that I, I don't know. Right. But for a while, it seemed like Sam Arce was the player because he he was the one carrying it for a long time. Right. Because he could. And, you know, he's a, go see him at Greensleeves, man. Right. <laughs> is he amazing, over there a lot? He's over there a lot. He's, and if you haven't seen him, he's an That place musician. is a little, uh, a little pricey. Yeah. For the average Joe. I, I actually liked it. I had yeah. never been in and, and the wife and I just said, let's go check it out. Yeah, I've never eaten there. You know? Oh, it's, it ain't cheap. <laughs> so I've played there, but I've never eaten yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's pretty good. It's it's Redlands bougie. I like it's it. it's definitely right. good. Um, but I'll have to go and and I maybe that's the way I can get the wife to go out and hear some music. Oh yeah, is uh you know bribe her with the green sleeves. Um, all right, so we're we're coming up on that hour mark. Okay. Um, but is there a place that you like to play? Like a favorite place that you like to go gig? I mean, locally, probably. I mean, back in the day, it was always the vault. Right. Just because it was home. Yeah. You know? Well, um, that's a whole episode in itself. Yes. Um, I would love to see that come back to a place where they actually cared about the music. And maybe they are. Yeah. W- but for the longest, it was like, we, we only want young drinkers. And hopefully they're coming back around. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. it's I, Like I said, I. I don't, uh, so I'm not bashing any place or anything no, like that. No, no. So, everything uh, evolves. Yeah, everything. It, I think that's the, the the story is that, you know, we just become older. And right, we, right. So I think locally, one of our favorite places to play is um, is Hangar 24. Always uh, a crowd. Uh, but another place is, to be honest, that's become more home is Packing House in Riverside. Really? It Again, it's they let us do what we want. Yeah. And there's nothing but love, you know. And so for me, I played once. I I thought it was kind of cool. It was sort of a weird night. We didn't have a ton of people. Exactly. Um, but I mean, nobody said, "Hey, can you turn, turn down?" down. Yeah. Or can you, uh, you know, play this? Or you know, take yeah. a break at this point? Or it's like, yeah, just do your thing. Fill the hours. Yeah, you know? and and uh, we've created some really. But I can say something about every place I play. Right. You know. So. Well, that you are definitely a, a glass half full type of guy, and I don't know if I've heard you, maybe ever disparage somebody, um, and yeah, you definitely wouldn't do it on a mic. God no. Um, <laughs> So it's unlike me and, and many of the people who've come in here um, that definitely have some gripes, um, you are much more composed about that stuff. Um, all right. If you could jam with anybody, living or dead, who would it be? Is this an obvious answer? James Taylor. Yeah, that's what I was come thinking. On. That's a dumb question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I may even cut that. That was so obvious. Yeah, no, but um, I mean, there's uh, Benny Sings. I would love to poke his brain. And, right, you know, right. So uh, you pick up your guitar. What's the first thing you play? It's a 
A major seven chord to a B minor chord, B minor seven chord. Really? C sharp. Yeah, it's I play it all the time in my music, but it's it's something that I, you know, it it, it or I do this dun 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 yeah. dun 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 dun. I don't, you know, I can't think of the chords, but it's something like that. Yeah. You know, so. No, it's interesting. Um, everybody's got something that they go to, and I I typically me it's like a Howlin' Wolf song or something. Oh, or, cool. Or uh, uh, if it's slide, it's, you know, something along those lines. Um, but, yeah, that always kind of fascinates me. Like, what <laughs> what's the thing you pick up and, and play first? Um, is there a song that everyone should learn to play? Oh. Every guitar player should. The obvious answer that most people is, oh, you got to learn how to play Stairway to Heaven. No, 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 no. No, because I don't know how to play. <laughs> is there a song that you think everyone should know how to play that song? I think. And don't say Mustang Sally. Gosh, No. <laughs> I almost did just that's to, that's just the to, song no one should play no one. but but go ahead with the song you think everyone should know uh it's hard to you know I don't know because I think uh I think for anybody that's learning how to play the guitar when you learn to play the first song mm-hmm. that's an important song right when you can actually adapt what was your first song probably um what is it um I can't think of any dun 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 Oh, that's that's <laughs> definitely in the so. list of the first songs. This is all bar chords. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> for me, the the song that made me want to be a guitar player because I'd been playing bass and I would fool, fooled with the guitar. But when I learned Over the Hills and Far Away oh, by gosh. Led Zeppelin, yeah. the, da, 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 yeah. um, I was doing some shit. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm actually playing. Exactly. And, and that got me super excited. And at that point. It was all about music for me at that point. Um, and I'm like, I can do this. Yeah. Like, I know how to play something cool. It's not just bar chords. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I mean, I, that's probably a good place for us to put a pin in it. I'm so glad that you came out and Thanks, did this. Chris. I know how hard it is to get people out, uh, especially when they're doing the grind. And, and when you have kids in a family, it's, it's extra difficult. Um, so definitely thank you for coming out. Um, this has been yet another episode of fix it in the mix. Fix it. Thanks again to Matt Coleman for coming in, giving us a peek inside his world. And if you enjoyed this episode, definitely look up Matt Coleman, look up coleslaw, look up hobo jazz. Matt plays in a lot of, a lot of different products. Total maples. Um, and of course, please follow us on Facebook. Uh, and by all means, tell a friend. Fix It in the Mix is recorded at Inland Blue Studios. Remember to subscribe to Fix It in the Mix on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This episode was brought to you by SpinWiz Comics. Please go and visit spinwizcomics.com. IB Comics, the home of great creator-driven stories for people of all ages, including Legba's Juke Joint. The first book of a nine-book series is available now and tells the story of American music from the blues to the present. The series examines the values of American society and for what we as people are willing to trade our soul. The book has been called Smart and Clever by Mark Wade of The Flash and Superman and Raw, Honest, and Profoundly Human by Stephen Frank, the creator of Silver and the animator on The Iron Giant. The book is available now at www.ibcomics.com. Ivy Comics, the home of great stories.